0: Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now acquiring legal representation.
1: Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the amazing nerd show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're breaking down episode three of She-Hulk and reviewing the latest episode of House of the Dragon.
0: Plus, we're breaking down the card for AEW's All Out. All right, but
1: before we move on, Damon, what time is it? It is giveaway time, uh, once again. The show is coming off one of our most successful months ever, and the fact that we've been doing this for almost five years and we're still growing is pretty fucking amazing. So we thought we'd celebrate a little by giving away a copy of your choice, either Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, or Thor, Love and Thunder on Blu-ray. To enter for a chance to win, all you have to do is either write a five-star review on Apple podcast or leave a five-star rating on Spotify uh, once you're done doing that take a screenshot DM us it uh, at amazing nerd show on all your favorite social media platforms and you are automatically entered for a chance to win one of those blu-ray copies now once again if you've done this already in the past Hell, do it again. It still helps with the algorithm and you get a chance to win. Uh, I mean, this isn't a humble brag, but we've got a lot of people subscribed to the show over on Apple. And that's where we get like the majority of our downloads. Uh, So like if just one out of 10 of those subscribers would just take a minute and do this, like it would actually be like life changing for the podcast. (laughs) So, I mean, please take the time to do it, uh, you know, regardless if you want to win a copy or not. Now let's say for some reason you don't listen to the show on either one of these platforms, that's totally cool. We still want you to have a chance to win. So go ahead and follow us either on Twitter or on Instagram, at AmazingNerdShow. On Twitter, go ahead and retweet the pin post. On Instagram, go ahead and like the pin post. And then make sure to DM us and let us know that you want to be entered for a chance to win one of the copies of the Blu-rays. And that's it. That's all you have to do. So hopefully that's not too confusing. Uh, At some point at the end of September, we'll go ahead on the podcast and announce a randomly selected winner. And just like our other contests, this is going to be a podcast only uh, giveaway. So, just because we want people who actually listen to the show and support us weekly to have a chance to win. So that's it. Uh, hopefully, that wasn't too complicated. We just want everyone to have an opportunity here. Uh, you know, so make sure you go ahead, do yourself a favor, uh, do one of those four options. Hell, do all four of those options, uh, and you're officially entered. And good luck. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers you have been warned. Well, first we got confirmation from Disney that Kate Bishop will be part of Marvel's Phase 5.
0: This story coming in from the direct that Haley Steinfeld will return in Phase 5 of the MCU as Hawkeye. It was coming out of an article that seems to be you know released by the official Latin Disney website where they posted about the heroes you need to know before Phase 5. In this post that was later deleted, it listed Kate and her backstory as a key figure to look out for in Phase five while disney has yet to say in what capacity steinfeld's hawkeye will return it only makes sense that they would want to continue her story especially when you see all the other characters from her show showing up in series of their own like echo and how daredevil and kingpin are going to be a big part of different shows in the future as well
1: and i believe over the last couple months we've been hearing rumors that we are going to actually get a season two of hawkeye i mean those Mm -hmm. are rumors so you gotta take them with a grain of salt but it only makes sense especially with the way that show ended i mean i guess they could possibly like pick up her storyline in other series but that show was such a hit i'm sure they're just kind of like testing the waters to see like how it was received but at this point it, it just feels like a sure bet um Yeah, you could tell that it's obviously a slow news week if this is, Uh like, one of the bigger (laughs) stories we've got. Because this is pretty much a no-shit headline, but whatever. Well, speaking of returning MCU characters, it looks like Ben Kingsley is going to be reprising his role as Trevor Slattery in Marvel's upcoming Wonder Man series. Deadline claims Ben Kingsley
0: is on his way back to the MCU. Trevor Slattery, the failed actor turned Mandarin stand-in, could be featured in the Wonder Man series coming to Disney+, Plus. that has Destin Daniel Cretton, director of Shang-Chi, on as an executive producer. Shang-Chi was the last time we saw Trevor, but I'm not sure where they would take the character from this point
1: unless it's just a you know random cameo to put him in this well since we know that in the comic books wonder man is an actor um i'm sure that's gonna be a big part of the show um you know his exploits in you know hollywood so i could see maybe like trevor being like wonder man's like mentor or something like that or even like an acting coach mentor though really <laughs> i can't see he's it. had roles I, I guess. <laughs> hey, man, they found a way to shoehorn him into Shang-Chi. So, I, I mean, this is also comedy and, you know, with Simon being an actor. So I could totally see him finding some shady acting school on the back of a phone book. Is a fo- are phone books even a thing nowadays? I, I don't or think whatever, so. Or whatever, on Google. <laughs> 15th page on Google. And that's how know? Trevor ends up, you know, being his acting coach. But anyway, moving on, we also have Ironheart Casting News. A Club Mickey Mouse member Reagan Aaliyah has now joined the cast of Ironheart
0: as the series continues to fill out its roster of stars for this six episode series. No role has been disclosed just yet, but the series is slated for phase five in late 2023. Yeah,
1: I mean, hopefully we get maybe a little teaser or a panel at D23. Uh, you know, discussing the show. I know recently some photos leaked of Anthony Ramos as the hood. Uh, some people were shitting on them. I thought it looks pretty comic book accurate. I mean, he's literally a dude in a hood in the comic book, uh-huh. so I don't know what people were expecting. But as more information comes out about the show, I'm getting more and more excited. I mean, I love the comic book accuracy of it, but at the same time, like, if there was a costume they
0: could spruce up a little bit, <laughs> maybe it's the hood. <laughs> Maybe, but
1: that's part of his charm right uh-huh. i just want to know like how deep they're willing to go with that character because in the comic books he becomes a major threat like he he, he becomes the don basically of like new york supervillains so like he's like the supervillains kingpin that all happened during uh bendis's new Avengers run so um you know i mean i think there's one point where he even gets his hands on the infinity gauntlet so like i don't expect them to go there but i mean he becomes a big time player so let's see what the future like you know has in store for him
0: while editing the show we got one more quick marvel rumor that dropped this week that being thunderbolts could be led by florence Pugh who has been a breakout star in the MCU since her first appearance in Black Widow. The Thunderbolts film was officially announced during San Diego Comic-Con with a July 26, 2023 release date, and looks to be a team recruited by Fontaine, as we saw from Falcon Winter Soldier and Black Widow. Deadline's Justin Kroll started the rumor of Yelena being the leader this week on a podcast where he stated that not only is the team being led by her, but she is the main focus, as this is supposedly Yelena's spinoff of Black Widow. Florence Pugh's you know performance as the character really stole the show during Hawkeye so I'm excited by you know the prospects of Yelena being a focus in a feature film but we'll have to wait and see you know next year to find out if these rumors
1: are true. Well up next on the DC side of things we have some casting news for the upcoming Joker sequel. Renowned actor Brendan Gleeson will be joining Joaquin Phoenix
0: and Lady Gaga in the sequel to Joker. This comes in from Hollywood Reporter, but there's no role that has been announced just yet. But personally, I could easily picture Gleeson in a doctor role in the House of Arkham, where this film is supposedly spending most of its time.
1: Yeah, I guess he could be playing Hugo Strange.
0: That would be a good
1: fit but gleason's a talented character actor uh he was fantastic in mr mercedes i definitely recommend checking that out but i guess the real question is can he sing
0: (laughs) i think he's uh, has he been in a
1: musical i don't know I don't know. I can see it. I think the first time I ever saw him uh, in anything was Braveheart. So I'm sure he's a five-tool player, though.
0: Exactly. Like, I, I picture, you know, uh, like Lay Miz or something in
1: his, like, back catalog or something like that. We'll have to research that, Christian. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, though. But anyway, moving on, we also have some unfortunate DC fandom news. One of the largest events for DC fans, the DC Fan Dome, has been officially
0: canceled this year by Warner Bros. Discovery. Popverse confirms that the virtual event is being sidelined with a statement from Warner Bros. Discovery promising bigger announcements are coming to in-person events, such as Comic-Con. This doesn't seem like too much of a big shock. I would imagine if they were to do an event, it would have been announced at least by August, but it is interesting to see that they are looking for a bigger presence at future Comic-Con events.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no way they want to have any giant panels right now and answer any questions from the press, especially since everything's so much in the air. Um, But Christian, I swear to God, we knew this, like this was a story already we covered on the show. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I don't know. Like, it, it just feels like it makes sense now, especially since the fandom was kind of a product of the pandemic. So, I mean, now that conventions are becoming more of a regular thing, I could see why DC would want to do more stuff in person.
0: You know, maybe when they're in a better place and things are a little more established, they'll consider having their own event similar to like how Disney does. But right now, yeah, it makes sense that they wouldn't be wanting anyone giving them more attention.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, our next story comes from a galaxy far, far away, uh, which we really haven't had many stories from, honestly, lately. But that might just be a product of D23 happening next week. But there's a rumor going around that everyone's favorite punk rock Mandalorian, Sabine, might be featured in the upcoming season of The Mandalorian
0: an industry insider and editor-in-chief over at Cinelinks has sparked a rumor that Sabine Wren may be joining Mandalorian Season 3 after replying to a post about Din Djarin and Sabine meeting this upcoming season. Of course, getting these two in a scene together makes perfect sense, especially with the, you know, Darksaber in play and with just how different these two characters are. It'd be an interesting meetup. Natasha Lou Bordizzo was casted for the live-action version of Sabine for Ahsoka. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Mando Shows up in the Ahsoka series. He's a cash cow that ain't gone dry yet.
1: No, I agree. And it just makes sense story wise that all these different shows are going to intersect at some point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully we don't have another situation like Book of Boba Fett where, you know, he shows up and kind of just, you know, takes over the entire <laughs> series. uh But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either way. But Sabine's an awesome character. I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing how her story plays out in live action form.
0: Damon, at this point, I'm not sure if we won't see, like, the origin story to Din Djarin's birth in
1: Andor. <laughs> you know, we're just gonna connect every little piece back to now, Mando. Now, I guess the producer of Andor has come out and said that the most, like, unfan y Star Wars project going right now. Like, I mean, he, the way he made it sound, it was like, we'll be lucky to even see a fucking stormtrooper in the series. <laughs> so, so, I mean, with that being said, I, I highly doubt it, but... Who the fuck knows? Anything's possible with this. It's just Mando's world now. We're all living in it. Uh huh. Anyway, lastly, on the horror front, it sounds like Jordan Peele's been teasing a Nope sequel.
0: Variety reports that we could be getting our first Jordan Peele sequel with Nope 2 in the future. It came up recently when you know fans were doing theories online, starting to kind of dig into the credited cast that we either didn't spend much time with or didn't see at all. Which Peel responded to these theories with, "I'm glad people are paying attention. I do think they will get more answers on some of these things in
1: the future. We're not over telling all of these stories yet." Well, I thought this was good news. I did enjoy Nope a lot. Um, I feel like there's a lot of different directions you could take, you know, the next chapter of the story or maybe even do like a, a spin-off series, uh, you know, where you tell other stories in this world. It would be cool to see a series come
0: um, out of this universe. I think that'd be interesting. And I'm also interested in the idea of other sequels from his films. Like, I would love to know what happens after us. Oh, absolutely. You know, what's the next yes. chapter in that
1: story? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have no clue where they're headed you know, at the Tra-ha. end of us. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I think the idea of like a Nope Anthology series would be mm-hmm. would be pretty neat. Speaking of sequels, we've been getting a lot of teases of a possible Friday the 13th sequel happening soon. We talked about previously, uh, producer Roy Lee did an interview where he thought that there was some big news uh, coming out of the Friday the 13th camp uh, sooner than later. Uh, then Sean Cunningham, I guess, in his like cameo bio mentioned something about a Friday the 13th film in 2023 and then this latest teaser is coming from New Line Cinema i guess on their Instagram account they posted a picture of their phone screen with them receiving a message from Jason and the caption reads uh oh what do you think Jason Voorhees wants i mean i feel like at this point we've Talked about the need for a new Friday the Thirteenth film at nauseam. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, these are pretty strong, you know, breadcrumbs, though. So I'm happy that all these clues are really pointing to us getting some like Friday the Thirteenth news soon. Uh, hopefully, it's in the form of a new film.
0: Like I want to get excited for the you know prospect of another friday the 13th i just hope it doesn't you know hit another snag and then there's another development
1: hell and or who could possibly get the rights again i I hope that's not like another big issue for that i'm guessing though that new line and sean cunningham wouldn't be dropping you know so many hints if they hadn't come to some kind of agreement legally uh with the uh screenwriter from the original friday the 13th so hopefully that's all in the past and You know, we've got some Jason, you know, coming our way. All right, Christian, well, I hope you're ready to twerk. Uh, Let's go ahead and break down episode three of She-Hulk.
0: Warning, spoiler alert. Major spoilers for She-Hulk ahead. You have been warned.
1: The Sorcerer Supreme, Master of the Mystic Arts, leader and former librarian of commentage. You realize that you've just admitted to facilitating a prisoner escape, which is a crime. I must depart.
0: After last week's discovery of the abomination's visit to the fighting pits, Jennifer Walters confronts Belansky. Um, but Emil Belansky claims that he was forced out of his cell by none other than the Sorcerer Supreme Wong, which Jen trying to save her case, immediately has her paralegal try to reach him.
1: Definitely feel like this is a cover story that Wong and him came up with. Right. Well, yeah. They felt like it was coached Rushed. for sure. <laughs> But I'm still hoping there's no validity to your speculation that, you know, Wong has a gambling problem. Six more episodes uh-huh. to find out, right? <laughs> We
0: then see, you know, the media circus around Jennifer's life as we get a montage of different reporters and entertainers and then blog posts giving, you know, their thoughts on, you know, not only the case, but She-Hulk as a whole. But as we return to Jennifer getting, you know, to her office, it's clear she wants nothing to do with the media attention as her paralegal
1: Nikki attempts to convince her to make a statement. Yeah, like we talked about before, uh- I feel like one of the bigger arcs of the show is going to be really Jennifer embracing her life as She-Hulk. I think by the end of this episode, we can see that like first step in that direction. Having been beckoned to Holloway's office, we then see her old colleague Bukowski,
0: who has gotten himself into you know some superhuman troubles, and now refusing to work with Jen, you know, due to their past. Uh, Bukowski also turns down our newly introduced team member Mallory on the basis that she's too hot to tell embarrassing things to. In the comics, Mallory Book is often a professional rival of Jen's, and I imagine we will see that develop later on in the show. For now, Bukowski has been, you know, fooled into a relationship with a shape-shifting light elf who was pretending to be Megan the Stallion. Being the only
1: team member left, Pug takes the case. Man, Bukowski is the fucking worst. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is horrible to say, but like even his face makes me mad. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, he's the actor's great his role. Uh, I will uh-huh. say that because I just hate every minute he's on screen. Uh, so, Christian, I'm in my 40s and I've been listening to the same music that I was listening to when I was like 13. Uh, so, I, like, well, I heard the name, you know, Megan The Stallion before. I had no clue who she was. Uh, but apparently she's a big deal.
0: Yeah, even the way you say it makes you sound like such a fucking nerd, David. But
1: <laughs> first of all, like you aren't. Like the title of the podcast is the Amazing Nerd Show, so I'm just on brand, motherfucker. Uh, but I was surprised you knew who she was. You're like, you know, twenty something going on fifty, so whatever.
0: I've already hit my quota for uh, well, actuallys this week. I understand. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> Yes, she is a big deal in the hip hop industry uh-huh. right now. Um, I think one of the one of the things when I heard that she was going to make a cameo in this show, I was concerned that like when I see like Cardi B and all of them making you know cameos in movies and stuff, they usually play characters and they're not that great at acting. So I was happy <laughs>
1: that you know she was playing herself at least. Yeah, they kind of kept her screen time down to a minimum, so (laughs) just a lot of name drops.
0: While Jen was busy laughing at Bukowski's situation, Wong suddenly appeared to meet with her. During this, we learned that Wong apparently needed a worthy opponent to gain the title of Sorcerer Supreme, and for some reason, he chose Abomination for this fight, confirming the story that Emil stated at the front of the episode. Jen then gets Wong to agree to come before the parole
1: board and tell them that it was all his fault. I don't want to call bullshit on Wong, Long, but, like, it was clear that those fights were fixed in Shang-Chi, right? Because he, he talked about Abomination, yeah. like, pulling his punches. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I said, I feel like your gambling theory has legs now, and I don't like it. Um, it's a good lie, though. Or, yeah, like, whatever. It, it doesn't uh... really hold up in the court of law, but um, I do want to quickly mention, like, I felt like the CGI was kind of uneven this episode, like more so than the previous episodes.
0: Yeah, it was a bit rocky, and I think a lot of people have noticed Especially this episode in particular, it's I don't know if it's just an issue with sinking or lighting, because there's a lot of moments where she just looks like she's in a completely different area to everyone else. As yeah, well. I mean it
1: didn't take me out of the show at all, but it was noticeable. And there were other scenes where I felt like it was fine, so it was kind of weird. Meanwhile, Pug gets
0: more info out of you know Bukowski on how much money he spent on this catfish situation. Afterwards, Bukowski leaves, and then we meet the light elf Runa pretending to be Bukowski, trying to get them to drop the case. Unfortunately for her, the real one called Pug,
1: giving her shenanigans away. So at first I I was a little annoyed that we're getting this whole like side plot, um, especially with such a like brief runtime for every episode. Uh, but at the end of the show, I was fine with it. No, I, I felt like it
0: fit in well enough where it didn't detract from Jen's story in this episode, so
1: I, I had no problems. Yeah, I thought they did a good job, too, like, tying it back to her story, so mm. it worked. Also, I forgot to mention, I really enjoyed how she broke the fourth wall of this episode. Like, the last couple episodes, I felt like it was just kind of shoehorned in, where this episode, I thought it was well done and really, you know, added to the show. Especially knowing that, like, one of the talking points that we even made was the worry that, you know, She-Hulk would get kind of lost in the shuffle with all the cameos. (laughs) you know, Uh planned for the series. Uh, So I thought that was a nice like meta touch.
0: At the parole hearing, we get to meet Emile's seven lovely pen pals along with our
1: parole board. See, I told you, Christian, it's some weird sex cult. Yeah, you're right, you're (laughs) right. (laughs) But you weren't the only person like reading things into this because I saw some people online like thinking that it was gonna be like the Thunderbolts team or something, which I just couldn't imagine Marvel revealing that roster in this series so soon never know it could
0: just been a a hint or a tease but you're right it's just his his pen pals (laughs) his soulmates here who pretty much see this as an open and shut case after the video of abomination went viral and with Wong being late to the hearing, it was starting to look that way, but Jen holds off for time as long as she can after giving multiple character witnesses from the prison time to speak on, you know, how Emil has changed as a man and how he's helped change their lives. But having touched the lives of so many guards doesn't seem to be enough, you know, especially after, you know, breaking out of prison. Luckily, Wong shows up at the last possible minute and explains what he did by freeing a mill, which I still don't fully
1: believe either of them were telling the truth about that situation. So I don't know, like, do you think Abomination is like working everyone, including Wong, that where Wong is willing to like, actually like testify on his behalf to, you know, help him get released on parole? Um, like, has Abomination actually turned a new leaf here? Cause, I mean, he sure does have Wong fooled. because I can't imagine Wong being this gullible. So he has to, like, actually believe in Emil, right? Cause he wouldn't help him otherwise.
0: Yeah, but I still think that there's a long con here for Emil. Like, even, like, having seven pen pals like that is still very culty, and I think there's something else going on there. Rather than them just buying him a farm for him to, you know, be a rehabilitated man. Like, I think there's more to it on his end. So do you
1: feel like he's actually rehabilitated or he's working some other kind of, like, scam of some sort? I mean, I guess he could be rehabilitated and still be working the system. Or taking uh-huh. advantage of these women, <laughs> but he might not just want to be a supervillain anymore. I this... think
0: there's still aspirations for supervillainy because, I mean, as we see later on, he's gotten control of the abomination abilities, but I do think that there's part of him that's still corrupted. Like, I feel like he has the potential to just be on the opposite spectrum of Professor Hulk. Like, he's. He just wants to use this power for gain in some form or fashion. What that is, I, I don't know. And I don't know when we will find out or what series we can see that in. But
1: yeah, I mean, because I mean, he did seem like he genuinely helped all those people out that uh-huh. like testified on his behalf. But, you know, maybe he was just really manipulating them, knowing that this parole hearing would eventually come. Um, so, I mean, that's a good point. I just don't know exactly like how big his aspirations are besides just conning this group of women. Cause you would think that Wong doesn't see him as a threat, but who knows, maybe Fontaine is is lurking in the background and kind of like also pulling strings here. Yeah. I I definitely still think he could end up on the Thunderbolt at some point. Oh yeah. No, no. I feel like that's absolutely going to happen. I'm just not sure if that's his actual end game right now, because if so Wong's going to really look like an idiot, right? not fully
0: convinced one of the parolees question if emil you know has full control over the abomination which emil you know then decides you know against jen's wishes to prove he truly is in control by transforming into abomination in which he shows he is in the same boat as professor hulk at this point it's also fairly clear in this moment that his holding cell could easily be broken by the abomination which puts the bow on jen's case as she uses the fact that you know emil chose to stay in car incarcerated this entire time rather than escape which ultimately secures Emil's release as long as he never turns into the abomination again using a kind of power limiter I thought
1: the parole board's like reaction to him transforming was a little over the top right like yeah, did they she just kept screaming did they not <laughs> know that he could still transform into abomination They had to. I don't know. Because, I mean, why ask the question, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So,
0: um... I guess they just thought he'll lose control and kill us. But, I mean, he's just standing there waving.
1: After a while, I would understand. Oh, yeah, he's in control. Shut up, woman. (laughs) Here's my question. Like, why doesn't he have an inhibitor on already?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. That's not really explained.
1: (laughs) This damage control prison is the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the fact that his head can
0: bust open pretty much the top of that container, it was like, oh,
1: this is awful. It felt like, yeah, it
0: felt like he could break out at any time
1: if he wanted to, uh-huh. so it's a little weird. I mean, we saw Miss Marvel's ragtag group of villains easily do it, right? Although I will mm-hmm. say, like, I think this is supposed to be the same prison, but it yes. looks a lot more impressive on She-Hulk so maybe well, yeah, i said marvel- that in
0: the first episode i was like this looks much more advanced <laughs> so maybe miss
1: marvel had a much smaller budget right because i mean the- we had a lot of great like coverage shots and everything like that they put time into this prison so because like they made sure to like shoot it in the middle of the day and everything and show like how massive it was um i miss marvel felt like some abandoned warehouse
0: i was gonna say like the freezer section at a like tgi friday's or something you know the <laughs> yeah, basement. because they had
1: that like, whole weird, like, pipe system working uh-huh. for them, where, like, they have them, like, chained. And then in She-Hulk, they have some, like, crazy, like, laser grid technology happening.
0: Exactly. So, <laughs> I,
1: I don't know. These showrunners need to talk a little more, it feels like.
0: As far as that power inhibitor goes, I'm guessing, you know, he's gonna break that real fast, or someone's going to, you know,
1: come up with a way for him to get around oh. it. yes. Like, first, <laughs> first episode, he has it up. I'm just hoping we get to see some kind of, like, throwdown between Abomination and She-Hulk at the end of the day that'd be cool but I don't think it's gonna happen in this show no I agree <laughs> but I mean if you think about it, we did get a mini Hulk fight which I wasn't expecting and I think
0: that's where all the budget is and stays <laughs> that first episode uh-huh They're
1: like that's it we're out of money insert leapfrog <laughs>
0: Exactly. Meanwhile, in the Megan the Stallion, you know, catfish trial, Pug is put in a position to prove that Bukowski could be foolish enough to believe he was dating the real Megan the Stallion. Runa's representation attempts to get the case thrown out altogether by using diplomatic immunity. Um, Runa is, you know, trying to use Thor and Odin lines to, you know, prove her innocence. But the judge just isn't having any of that and agrees to have this trial go on. But after leaving his seat, it seems that Runa decided to jump up and impersonate the judge you know trying to get the case thrown out which everyone can see right through and honestly that should have been the end of it all you know that (laughs) her coming up there and pretty much impersonating a judge should have just got this case thrown out and put her in prison immediately yeah i guess
1: i mean they're playing a little fast and loose here (laughs) to say the least uh i love the Thor line though i thought that was fantastic like i don't want to see them become too much of a parody of the MCU, but I think once in a while, as long as it's not too like heavy handed, it's totally fine
0: pug while having lunch with Jen and Nikki gets an idea to use Jen as a witness to just how delusional Bukowski is, which while Jen is on the stand, you know, really seems to prove just how self-centered and obnoxious that Bukowski is and how he would be willing to believe in something like a Hollywood dating site that he is currently paying monthly for. This testimony is enough for the judge to believe that he got duped by Runa. And as Megan herself said, there's only one real Megan The Stallion as she makes a cameo at the back of the courtroom. Room. On top of that, the judge sentences Runa to 60 days in prison for impersonating a judge. The Christian justice has served. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> it all came together. I'm glad this little subplot was all kind of tied up here. I was I was getting a little concerned that this would run throughout the series. So I was glad it was a one-off Jen, after being involved with two successful cases, finally decides to take
0: control of her narrative by speaking with the media, which seems more interested in She-Hulk's diet than Jen's law expertise. Either way, as she makes her way home, she suddenly gets ambushed by men, you know, using as Guardian construction gear to assault her. This is most likely the Wrecking Crew, as we brought up, you know, during our, like, trailer reactions for this series. Um, She-Hulk whoops them pretty quickly, but it was clear that they were hired by someone to extract your blood. Unfortunately, Jen's skin is just
1: too tough in She-Hulk form, as we see by the broken needle. I saw some hardcore comic book fans completely like offended by the portrayal of the Wrecking Crew in this episode. And I agree to a certain extent, this is definitely like a dollar store version of those villains. But but in the comic books, I mean, They're absolutely bumbling buffoons and kind of like glorified henchmen. I think I was just more kind of surprised by how much of a non threat they were to She Hulk, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's definitely not the case, you know, in in the books. So um, I'm wondering at some point if they don't get some kind of like power upgrade.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming that they're going to get become more and more of a nuisance as we go on. Like,
1: maybe, you know, each time she beats them, they find a new, like, upgrade for themselves. Or if they eventually do get a hold of, you know, her blood, you know, whoever Mm. their boss is, which they refer to later, uh, you know, puts them on the juice, if you will. But yeah, I mean, these characters were definitely supposed to be the Wrecking Crew, because they even refer to each other by their code names. So, um, (laughs) now, they mention that their boss is going to be upset that they weren't able to get... The Blood Sample. Now, right away, when they mentioned a boss, I think like most of the internet, I start to, you know, come up with a list in my head who they could be possibly referring to. Uh, you know, I think the first person that popped up in my head was Valentina. Since we know she's, you know, putting together her own group of superpowered individuals, I could see why she would want to get a hold of, you know, some Hulk blood. But then like every comic book fan, I did then go to the leader. Uh, he was teased at the end of the Incredible Hulk film, uh, but since then we haven't gotten any mention of him in the MCU. Uh, but I mean, if you don't know who the leader is, uh, his name is Samuel Stearns in the comic book, uh, you know, he gets his powers the same way that uh, the Hulk does. He's in this like gamma radiated explosion. I think he's like a custodian at a high school or something like that. Uh, But him and the Hulk are like mortal enemies. He has this superior intellect and he can actually like use mind control on some humans. Uh, At one point, he's trying to get the Hulk to work with him in the books, uh, believing that with Hulk's brawn, he can take over the world. Uh, But then he becomes just obsessed with like destroying the Hulk so much so that he actually teams up with Thunderbolt Ross to take him down. And he is actually partially responsible for Ross turning to the Red Hulk later on in the comics. Um, And I believe he joins Ross's version of the Thunderbolts at one point. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of different possibilities they could take that character if they are indeed like reintroducing them into the MCU. And actually a while mm-hmm. back when She-Hulk was initially announced, uh, there were a lot of rumors going around that the leader would be part of the series. So maybe this like half-baked version of the Wrecking Crew is actually working for the leader. Who knows? I mean, it would make sense because the leader would absolutely... Kill to get his hands on some Hulk blood.
0: It would be a good villain for She-Hulk to face off, especially with um, Bruce off on the, on another world and not being really there to help. You know, stop. You know this from spreading to each person. You know, if he starts
1: just injecting people with it to try and control them. Now, Thunderbolt Ross is also a great candidate to possibly be. You know, pulling the strings in the background here. Um, but with the passing of William Hurt, unless Marvel has gone and recast the character. I don't see that aspect of the storyline like really coming into play. But going back Mm. to the leader, I mean, it'd be cool to reintroduce him here and then eventually have him be part of the Thunderbolts film. Yeah, I totally
0: forgot that, you know, he made an appearance there at the end of The Incredible Hulk. I I don't remember anything about that film. I think that's the one MCU film I always skip when we're doing the
1: rewatches and stuff like that. You know, honestly, I didn't mind that movie at all. Yeah, I mean, it's been years since I've rewatched it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't mind that movie when it came out. And I'm a big, like, Edward Norton fan. So maybe it's time to, you know, rewatch it, especially knowing that She Hulk isn't scared to, like, dive back into the Hulk's story and continuity. Who knows how many other references they're going to make to that film? Like, could we possibly get a Betty Ross appearance? I mean, what's Liv Tyler doing, right? i know right Uh, not much right i don't know (laughs) i'm not throwing shade at Liv tyler (laughs) we do kind of live in a bubble in all fairness so i mean the last Uh thing i saw her in was like the strangers (laughs) but i'm sure she's done more stuff since then yeah but we could get red she-hulk you know (laughs) (laughs) that is a possibility but then i feel like you definitely have to like recast thunderbolt at that point Uh anyway i thought this was a fun episode um I like the little mystery that they kind of set up here. It's funny because after that whole scene, I was like, oh, yeah, they probably do need, like, a villain for She-Hulk to go up against. (laughs) The show's been such a breeze. It just, you know, Mm it feels so much like, you know, a sitcom. That for some reason, I, it just didn't cross my mind after a couple episodes.
0: Well, I was wondering if it was just going to stick to the courtroom in the end. Like, I thought possibly, oh, you know, Mallory Book could be like just this series is big bad at the end. You know, it's just someone that she's going yeah. up against in the It'd court trial. really lame.
1: It- <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure she'll end up being somewhat of a villain, you know, for Jack. Mm-hmm. But I think I was kind of just expecting the villain to be introduced through one of her cases, so the fact that it's, you know, really tied into, you know, her new life as She-Hulk makes sense. And we talked about it before in the first episode, like everything that they foreshadowed with the Hulk blood and everything like that, we knew that was eventually going to come into play. Now, Christian, some people took issue with the uh, twerking in the mid credit scene. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't have a problem with it because I felt like it fell in line with the tone of not only the show, but the comic that it's based on. Like, I could totally see this, like, you know, scene play out on, you know, Burns' run. So, I don't know.
0: I mean, Damon, some people just don't know how to have a good time. And I feel like everyone would benefit more from twerking, so.
1: <laughs> just relax and twerk, people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely don't see this as some kind of betrayal to the characters, so. Whatever. No. Um, But anyway, like I said before, I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like the humor is just meta enough where it doesn't necessarily cross over into parody, which I appreciate. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm watching a Saturday Night Live skit about the MCU. I don't don't Uh, feel like I'm getting that here.
0: With the combination with how this episode was like paced in general, I would I think I could handle the rest of the series being like this, where we get. A small side story that ties into whatever Jen's big story throughout the rest of the series. No,
1: I agree, and I was actually impressed with how well they handled uh, the Abomination storyline because I really thought mm-hmm. that was going to like extend into multiple episodes. But it looks like Abomination's now out; he's a free man. So they're definitely using their time wisely, especially with such you know a short runtime. Anyway, make sure to join us next week as we break down episode four. Of She-Hulk. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're gonna be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code, 20NerdShow, for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com.
0: Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high and tight. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game.
1: Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a Bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin, thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology.
0: No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the Performance Package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under
1: control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Tusky Toner. With a Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and a pad pass- and high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming gain. So listeners, get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at
0: Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some
1: help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming gain with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped.
0: Warning spoiler alert, major spoilers for House of the Dragon ahead. You have been warned.
1: I'm right here, uncle. The object of your ire. The reason that you were disinherited. If you wish to be restored as heir, you'll need to kill me. So do it. And be done with all this bother.
0: This past week's Game of Thrones surprisingly hit an even higher rating to its debut episode, as the story continues to unfold here. Episode 2 did a great job at putting all of our pieces in place you know, for the rest of the season, and really started to create a divide between our three main Targaryens. Um, series dealing with you know the grief of his choice last episode, and trying to reconnect with his daughter in some capacity, played... Very well, Patty Consandine um, is just doing such a likable performance that it makes me want to forgive the character's flaws. But what I found the most strange about all of his storyline this week, at least, was the moments with Alison Hightower. While watching, I thought it was pretty clear that you know she was being coerced into being around the series by her father. But after the credits, they do this little interview thing with some of the actors, and Emily Carey, you know, claimed you know she was reaching out to comfort the king out of their shared loss, which could be true, but I like to think that Otto Hightower wanted his daughter to earn the king's favor from the get-go. Rhaenyra, this episode, gave us a small glimpse of the kind of queen she may become, as we saw her deal with Daemon without causing any bloodshed after he stole a dragon egg. With the king burning his bridge with House Valerian by choosing not to marry a 12-year-old, of all things, and with the threat of the crab feeder on the horizon, it seems we will be getting our first big battle sequence in episode 3. The Valyrians now seem to be backing you know, Daemon, and with their support, a win against the Crabfeeder could bring even more people to the side of Daemon and his claim to the Iron Throne. While he is a scumbag to a degree, again, Matt Smith's performance and the show's writing is giving him more dimension than your usual antagonist. He still shows care for his brother and niece throughout this episode, but his ambition for King and natural leadership skills will definitely bear fruitful as we approach Civil War. My only negative so far for the show is that I'm not a big fan of the time jump aspect. Um, You know, what felt like was like a a, the next day from last week's episode really turned out to be a couple months which i thought was a little strange and i do know that we're going to be switching to the adult actors soon for Rainera and alicent which the two current actresses have been doing a phenomenal job i just think it could be a little bit jarring if they continue to do big time jumps and not really make it seem like those time jumps are happening in the writing that's at least how i've felt so far and also while this week's episode was still enjoyable it was pretty easy to predict where things we were going from the start of the episode you know there wasn't anything I didn't feel like you wouldn't have been able to see coming from those first few moments but again that doesn't take any enjoyment away from the show but with an even higher ratings boost this week I am interested to see how they will continue to do in the ratings especially with another you know big fantasy show coming out in Lord of the Rings but while this is still only the beginning of House of the Dragon as we spoke on last week you know season 2 has already been confirmed by HBO but a report came out this week that showrunner Miguel Sopnik won't actually be returning for that second season having been directing you know episodes in Game of Thrones since season 5 this came to this came as a bit of a shock, especially after these first two episodes were so well-received. However, there's been speculation that he may have just been on to start this series and perhaps hop on to another of the, you know, many potential spin-offs for Game of Thrones. But who knows for now, I'm just satisfied getting a little bit more fantasy in my weekly show rotation, and I'm excited to talk even more Thrones and Lord of the Rings next week. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming has surely slowed down after Gamescom, but we did get an update on the future of Activision Blizzard games with Xbox. In a report by Game Informer, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, talked about some of Microsoft's plans for their newly acquired IP from Activision Blizzard. Of course, Phil touted about the games like you know, Diablo, Overwatch, and Call of Duty you know coming to Games Pass, but made it clear that some of these larger titles will remain multi-platform, meaning games like Call of Duty duty um, will still be coming to ps5 many playstation fans were worried about you know the news of xbox getting the rights to activision's library but this report definitely should calm them a little bit as some of those big titles will still be available but i can't say that will last forever microsoft has pointed to their treatment of minecraft making it you know accessible everywhere but i'd like to point to the fact that you know they have intentions of putting bethesda games only as you know xbox titles to going throughout the future. At the same time, financially, it would be a waste to strangle the player base for games like Diablo and Call of Duty, you know, these massive multiplayer experiences. So I think it was a wise play by Phil and company to keep it multi-platform. But let us know how you feel about Sony and Microsoft picking up, you know, studio after studio. You can tell us your thoughts on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or at Amazing Nerd Live, where we focus on the streaming side of the show. Speaking of which, we are streaming a ton of games right now. We have Midnight Fight Express going on. Um, We're also playing the Horizon games, plus older games like Lollipop Chainsaw and newer games like Saints Row. So definitely check out the stream when you get a chance. We are live Thursday through Sunday. But that's all for gaming right now. Let's move on to some wrestling. I got surgery for my shattered foot. I got three plates and 16 screws put into my
1: foot. Which, real quick, is 16 more times than this fat guy has ever gotten screwed in his life. All right, Christian, it is all out Eve, at least when this episode drops, it's all out Eve. Technically right now, well, not even technically when we're recording this, it's Wednesday after dynamite. So, uh, but you know, we wanted to go ahead and get our predictions in, even though they're really going to only be relevant for maybe a day after this episode drops, Uh but you know, whatever (laughs) we've got big egos (laughs) and we want to have our predictions, you know, recorded at least so we can look back and point to how, you know, smart or stupid we were, Exactly, Uh, but, uh, Let's go ahead and let's go through this card. We've got a lot of matches uh, that have been announced Uh, 11 total on the main card, and then three buy in matches. Yeah, so Uh, 14 in total. Heard a lot of people bitching about the number of matches. I don't get that whatsoever. I'm a wrestling fan. Give me all of the wrestling and then some. I'm fine with it. Um, You know, especially with the buy in, it's like the buy in to me is optional. Right, Aww. I've sat through numerous WWE pre shows, which are literally just talking heads with like a couple matches thrown in, um, and they—I think they're sometimes they're two hours long. Yeah. So this doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, get over it, people. But anyway, uh, I'm uh, gonna jump off my soap soapbox <laughs> for now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, what's our first match on the buy-in? On the buy-in, I have Ishii versus Kingston yes uh this is amazing uh kind of came out of nowhere i'm looking forward to this this is a rematch uh i guess they uh faced off on new japan world i believe uh, a couple months back so this is a rematch from that uh i'm looking forward to watching these two guys beat the shit out of each other because that's pretty much what's gonna happen uh i was thinking after all the drama last week that kingston might be left off the card Mm -hmm. um we know that he was suspended for a couple weeks it sounds like um after an incident with sammy guevara we're not going to dive into that because i feel like that's been talked to nauseam at this point and it sounds like it's water underneath the bridge every locker room has issues like that so it's not really breaking news in my book it's just the fact that it actually leaked um it is what it is but anyway i'm looking forward to this match um should be a good time these guys are going to beat the hell out of each other. And I'll probably actually get me to watch the buy-in. Yeah, I'm assuming
0: uh Kingston's going to get the win because Ishii won their first match. And now that they're on
1: AEW yeah. uh, event. You know? That makes sense, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless Khan's still really pissed off at Kingston, you know, and wants to <laughs> further teach him a lesson. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think Kingston will pick up the win here. I feel like they're going to have big plans for Kingston in the upcoming months, So, but we'll talk about that later. What else do we have on the uh, buy-in, Christian? Kip Samen made his big
0: return to AEW television this week, and he's going to be in a match against PAC.
1: Yes, this was all set up last week during the main event. Um, They've teased it throughout uh, the month, I guess, with Kip Being in the front row of, Mm -hmm. like, other pack title defenses around the world, pretty much. Uh, So that—I don't mind that. I just wish this gimmick didn't go for a year. Very strange. Yes. Like, if this was, like, a month-long gimmick, cool, whatever— but overall, like, I like what I've seen from Kip, at least since the big reveal, quote-unquote. He cut a promo tonight on Dynamite. I thought it was well done. Uh, he feels very super villainish especially with the new look and everything. Um, I kind of want him to pick up the win here. Yeah, you know? I think it'd be unfortunate if he were to lose after,
0: like, all this waiting and build-up After build up to wearing this. the
1: fucking box on his yeah. head for a year? Yeah. I, <laughs> I-, I would say... <laughs> Uh, so hopefully, you know, the fortunes are smiling Kip's way and, you know, or Tony's smiling Kip's way and decides to put the belt on him, uh, you know, is at least a fucking prize for, you know, dealing with such a weird storyline yeah. for so goddamn long. <laughs> so bizarre. I, I, like, I'm guessing that Kip must've been really invested in this cause it was like every dynamite for literally like months that we've seen him out there. You can't fault a person for being committed to the gimmick, I guess. My guess is that you know he walks out after putting the box on Pack's head. Oh, that'd be like his know. thing. Like he, <laughs> like I don't, I don't. I, that feels like it'd be just burying Pack, though. Like he beats him <laughs> and, then, and then boxes his head. Yeah, uh, I mean, it'd be a statement, but I don't see them going that route. Like I could see him losing jumping pack afterwards and putting the box on his head to make a statement to carry on the feud uh-huh. maybe. Um I guess your way works too if you don't like pack. <laughs> so <laughs> but I will say I I look forward like if this is something where Kip wins the belt it'd be cool to see this feud like take place around the world. Hmm. Like take this like, you know, program literally across the world and you know have them wrestling everywhere. That I think that's kind of a neat idea. Yeah, Pack on the hunt for Kip Saban. That's- yes, yes. Like, Kip, you know, beats someone in, I don't know, England, and then Pac shows up and jumps him, and they have a match there, and then, you know, you know, they're in fucking Japan or something like that. You know, I like this idea of a traveling belt. Mm. You know, it's it's a, I think it's a great way for AEW to spread their brand across the world.
0: Another title match we have in the pre-show is the FTW Championship with Hook most likely going over Angelo Parker.
1: Another reason why I'm not worried about the match count, this match will literally last 30 seconds tops. So um, I love 2.0. They've been, you know, basically working a one sided program with Hook right now. Like Hook has not like given them the time of day. Uh, but yeah, I, so I'm guessing he's probably going to go against Angelo here and just buzz soft through him and then, you know, have to face off against Daddy Magic, you know, you know, next month. So, uh, should be fun.
0: But all right, on to the main card, which we have Brian Danielson
1: versus Chris Jericho. Yeah, and obviously we don't know the order. We're just kind of mm-hmm. going with what's here on the page right now. Uh... So I liked what they did tonight with this program, how they continued it, how Garcia apologized to Jericho, um, seemed like he was going to be siding with him, but you could still hear like he was at least reluctant mm-hmm. in his apology. Um, you know, Brian had a fantastic match with Jake Hager. After the match, we had Gang Warfare, which I'm getting kind of tired of, You know, especially between these two groups. But luckily, you know, There was a reason behind it. Uh, They were trying to tell a story uh, because once the ring cleared and, you know, Jericho had a chair in his hand, he was about to, you know, crush Brian with it. Garcia made the save, grabbing the chair out of uh, Jericho's hands. And it seems like what they're going for here is like almost like Garcia wants Jericho to prove to him that he can do it in the ring without you know, all the shenanigans. Yeah. He wants to see that Lionheart, Chris Jericho prevail on Sunday. Um Now, part of me still believes this is all a setup for Brian. Uh, and, you know, Garcia's pulling the wool over his eyes and we could possibly see, you know, the JAS pull a swerve here and Garcia's like completely aligned and in the back pocket of Jericho. Um, But I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, they do have a match set up for Garcia against uh, Wheeler and uh, Dynamite. Yeah, for the pure um, championship. You know, I, maybe that's the match that officially has him joining the Blackpool Combat Club. You know, maybe uh, you know Garcia. In, yeah, yeah, you know, right? He they beat the fuck out of each other. Um, it's for the pure title, which you know traditionally you have to shake hands before and after the match, but that's kind of like, you know, Garcia's initiation into, you know, the group. Um and he, you know, becomes a full member at that point, you know, or it's just another, you know, blood feud match, you know, between those two. <laughs> Either way. So, I I don't know. I'm looking forward to this match between, you know, Brian Danielson and Jericho. We haven't seen it that much surprisingly, especially with them being in the WWE for so long together. There's only been a handful of instances where they've actually faced each other in a Mm -hmm. singles match. I believe, like, two or three. So, um, and these are both very different versions of those wrestlers nowadays. So, I'm looking forward to what they put together in this match. Uh, Because, I mean, both, I feel like, are really, like, you know, firing on all cylinders right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think for me, with Garcia, it's like, because he already kind of gave his loyalty... Before the match, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of the same at the actual pay-per-view where, you know, Jericho and Brian are going to go at it. And then eventually Jericho is going to try and start to cheat. And that's how Garcia gets involved once more. I don't think he's going to turn on Brian again,
1: though. So do you think it's going to be like he's indecisive? They're going to play that up? And yeah. then, like, he just officially joins on Dynamite, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Um, I could see that. I could see them going, like, he's being sincere about how he's feeling and everything like that. I just don't trust Jericho. Like, it it feels like he's Uh that kind of heel where he would have a master plan like this in place. Also, Brian's been way over-the-top cocky about everything that's going on. (laughs) So part of me actually wants it to blow up in his face. (laughs) (laughs) because well, even that said, when though, like you... even when garcia was in the ring i want to make this point uh-huh. quick, like, even when garcia was in the ring with jericho last week and brian came out like garcia is pouring out his heart and like brian's just like laughing basically yeah, cackling, like, at the yes. whole situation so i could <laughs> see him resenting that you know yeah you're my hero but you're sitting here laughing about like my emotions so um <laughs> You know, I mean, I just I love the fact that Brian hasn't like changed his character to to fit this to this situation. Really? You know, he's still kind of like that tweener at this point. So um, I don't know. We'll we'll see where it all heads to Um, to play devil's advocate. I mean, maybe Garcia, you know, is with J.A.S. Like I was saying, he beats, you know, Wheeler for that title on Dynamite. And then you set up this, you know this huge feud with Brian over that title. So, um, you know, cause Brian doesn't have a title right now. Do you, so, but overall you have Brian going over Jericho at the card at all out. Yes. And this is probably WWE brain talking, but just because it was Brian who passed out at the, um, what was the name of yeah. the match? The um, anarchy in the arena match. So I feel like Brian needs to get revenge on Jericho. Mm hmm. So um, and I know Brian, like in real life, doesn't give a shit about going over (laughs) on anyone. (laughs) So I mean, I was like, i could see it going either way, but it feels like they're going to want Brian strong, I'm sure, because it's only a matter of time before he's in the title picture again. Mm -hmm. Up next,
0: I have the AEW Women's World Championship between Tony Storm, Britt Baker,
1: Sheeta, and Jamie Hayter. Uh, They had a tag match tonight on Dynamite. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really fantastic match. Super hard hitting, where to the point where I was getting concerned. I mean, Sheeta fucking did a, a Frankensteiner that looked like it almost knocked out Hater. I mean, the ref like jumped in between them right away to check on her, but luckily she seemed to be okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought this was, a, I, I thought the match was great too because it's it did a lot to really highlight Sheeta and remind fans like just how fantastic she is in the ring, especially when she's showing more of her aggressive side, mm-hmm. which I, I I want her to bring that, you know, that version of herself more into all of her matches for now on. Cause I feel like she kind of turns it on and off once in a while, but I don't know. I, I, I need that version of Sheeta all the time. Cause she, she looked amazing tonight um, to the point where I was like, I-, I could see her possibly winning at the pay-per-view. Now, do I think that's going to actually happen? No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like we both talked about in the past. I feel like the belt, is going to either Storm or Hater at this point. Mm. Um, you know, I think they tried to, like, fool us by having Britt take the loss. And then typical wrestling math, usually, in this, once again, it could be WWE brain, but <laughs> usually the person who loses before the pay-per-view is walking out the winner at the pay-per-view. Uh, I think they're trying, they're, they're they're feeding off of that, though. I feel like they're trying to set us up to make us believe that Britt is going to win at the pay-per-view just to have, you know, Tony or uh, possibly Jamie walk away with a belt. If Jamie walks away, I mean, there's so much story there that they can mm. go into. You could tell the story of Britt. Now being jealous of Jamie being the champion and that can finally, you know, that whole relationship can finally come to a head or you have this white hot baby face and Tony, you know, carrying that title until Thunder comes back to, you know, have the unification match, which I don't think we have a timetable yet for uh, Rosa's actual return. No, I think
0: in interviews she's been saying like yeah, I was, you know, more hurt than I thought and stuff like that, but we'll we'll see, so if, you know, it's something I should get it's through. It's
1: like a back injury too, yeah. which is pretty fucking serious. So she's been playing hurt for a while, so hopefully she has a speedy recovery. I mean, this past month I've definitely been
0: thinking, you know, Tony's next champion, like no doubt, but I think last week you really did convince me there's
1: a chance for Jamie Hayter at this point. And I mean, you could still have the Brit hater angle play out, mm-hmm. even if neither of them walk away with the title, right? Like, Tony could win the belt. Brit could be mad at Jamie for what she views as her possibly costing her the match or her getting in the way. Because eventually, they're going to be standing toe-to-toe in the ring during that match since it's a four-way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's could just end up being a feud without the title involved there's nothing wrong with that so and honestly the women's division needs more of that yeah i was gonna say but then you'd have to add more matches for the women on television (laughs) david well there's there's a rumor (laughs) floating around that they are looking to get some kind of women's program uh going on tv i guess there's been a bunch of like trademarks filed recently uh so we'll see where that goes uh I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. I would look forward to it. um it's got to be better than fucking rampage at this point because mm-hmm. that's been the drizzling shits lately. <laughs> I-, I will say last week was better, but that's because they actually had like matches of consequence on it. I mean, it's been pretty much Friday night heat for AW you know the last like three or four months so um but yeah, in my opinion, the more women's matches that we can get in AW the better you know for the division and for the fans. But anyway, so I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Tony walks away with the title.
0: Yeah, it just feels like it's it's not to not to use her own catchphrase, but it feels like it's Tony's time. Mm-hmm. And I I'm I'm hoping that she gets the win. But I I wouldn't be I have no problem with a Jamie Hater run right now. I think there's a lot you can do with that. Oh yeah, especially
1: after you know her feud with um, Brett Baker as well. No, I agree 100. Um, I just feel like they've been really kind of I don't know getting Tony ready for that, mm-hmm. for that, for a run. So, um, and I, it feels like Tony doesn't like to go, Tony Khan, that is, doesn't like to get <laughs> off course when it comes to storytelling. So it's way too do, many Tonys in AEW, right? Um, I <laughs> have to pull events and change all their names or just start calling her storm. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, do we make a prediction for the Danielson,
0: uh, Jericho match? Yes. 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 I, I, I we both said, uh, Brian pretty okay. much. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. <laughs> Right, what do we have next? Up next, we have Miro, Darby Allen, and Sting going up against the House of
1: Black. I'm going to go House of Black here. I feel like they need the win. Um, maybe there's some communication issues between Miro, Darby, and Sting, because um, obviously they're not used to being a trio. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see Miro going rogue, maybe. Um, I love the promo he cut on uh, Dynamite tonight. Um, All the Redeemer shit is just gold in yes. my eyes. Um, Darby, though, needs to fucking up his game, man. <laughs> like, I guess it's part of the gimmick being this fucking, you know, hot topic goth kid. But, like, <laughs> put some emotion in your fucking voice. I love him as a talent in the ring and everything. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like nothing has rubbed off on him, like working with Sting for the past year or so. Um, and I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't have that in him. <laughs> but I, I, just just want to see like a different like gear from mm-hmm. Darby when it comes
0: to his promos. Because uh, I don't mind it when he does his own stuff when we see
1: his video packages that's and stuff. Fine, but, but like he's so monotone and uh-huh. so emotionless half the fucking time. Not even half the time. Like ninety nine percent of the time. Like give me something like just to show me that you care about the fucking match (laughs) but once again it goes into the total like emo gimmick i guess so Uh, it is what it is i mean sting comes out here and just drops a charisma bomb like right afterwards and reminds everyone that you know he was surfer sting at one point uh (laughs) he's been doing this for 40 fucking years Showtime, baby! So, exactly. <laughs> um, I thought we we're gonna get a taste of Joker Sting for a little bit. I got scared, <laughs> but uh, no, I dug it. I thought it was a great promo and everything, like really playing off the litany of you know House of Black promos that we've gotten similar to that over the past you know year now. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this match. I guess there was some weird rumor that Malachi Black got released before what? Dynamite, <laughs> which like numerous news outlets confirmed not to be true whatsoever. Uh-huh. Just so crazy, like how shit spreads so quickly on Twitter, you know, and people take it as fact right mm-hmm. away.
0: Um, I, I wouldn't mind if like if Darby Allen costs them the match and Miro turns on them. I do think the House of Black do need a win. I feel like we should keep them strong for whatever goes down with the
1: trios after all of this. Like, I feel like they need to be a big presence in the trios division. Uh, agreed. Agree 100%. And I think having a match like this on the card is important to really establish the trios division. yeah, Like, you can't just be having, like, one trios match every pay-per-view. Like, if this is going to be a real division, I think there should be multiple trios matches, you know, on these cards. And, like, you know, on Dynamites and Rampages, Mm -hmm. which I feel like was the case until recently. Like, they announced those trio titles, and then we just stopped having trios matches, you know, until the tournament started, so. Plus Um, an extended
0: Miro-Darby-Allen feud is always going to be good.
1: So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they had a fantastic feud. What, like early last year was it late last year right over the TNT mm. title it's the last time the fucking TNT title actually mattered really, Exactly. Really? if you think
0: about it <laughs> up next we have the TBS championship on the line between Jade Cargill
1: and Athena Jade all the way they haven't given yeah. Athena like that much to make me believe that she could possibly go over Jade I don't think the time is right right now Um, I'm hoping that they have a great match um you know i was saying last time we saw jade russell that you know jade needs to wrestle more um she's still very green but rightfully so she's only had what 30 some matches <laughs> so um you know i i just feel like this feud should have legs like this should be the first of many matches between the two so hopefully they give uh athena enough to warrant a rematch down the line like I don't want this to be a one and done thing that we've seen them do with tons of other like women who get signed you Mm. know and show up in AEW and then like after a month they're old news and you know they get lost in the shuffle Um, Athena's way too talented for that and I feel like you know having her paired off with Jade for a program could really really do wonders for Jade you know in the ring
0: I think in the back of my mind I'm still like I have hope that Ruby will be the one to take the title off of um, Jade. But who knows if that would ever happen
1: at this point? You know, speaking of being lost in the shuffle, I feel like after the Owens Cup, like, Ruby's just been, you know, kind of, like, lost in limbo. Mm -hmm. Um, She was part of the whole uh, Eddie Kingston, you know, Jericho feud. But unfortunately, it just feels like she was being used as a prop to add heat you know, mm-hmm. to that issue. Um so I, I don't know. She's been having mixed tag matches, teaming up with uh Ortiz against Sammy and uh Ty. Uh, they lost on Rampage, they're getting a rematch this week on Rampage again. Uh since we haven't seen Kingston in a while, you know, you made a good point that maybe that's when we'll see Kingston. To kind of remind AEW that he's still there. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that will be the re-spark that they need for Sammy and, you know, Eddie's uh, feud, because that's where they're headed before the suspension. Um, You know, and I'm guessing, too, at least that's what everyone was kind of fantasy booking, that Kingston would be having a big part in the Arthur Ashe, you know, stadium show that's only two weeks away though yeah so at this i don't know right now it doesn't feel like that's possible (laughs) i know right which is i mean it is unfortunate because it just felt like the perfect place for him to Mm -hmm. have like to get a title shot um i mean they, they could still pull it off i'm sure you know depending on who wins you know that match but we'll talk about that later but regardless yeah i have jade going over here yeah same up next
0: we have jungle boy versus
1: christian cage yeah, uh, on Dynamite, they had a nice little sit-down interview with JR. I thought it was pretty well done. I think it got the few not back on track, but I felt like it got the, the momentum back where it should be. Because I feel like the last two weeks, they've been kind of treading water. But I thought this really like fanned the flames a little uh, to get you you know back interested in it, at least. Um, or at least remind you why you were interested in the first mm-hmm. place, because this feud was hot when it first started, you know, when Christian eventually turned and everything on the other side of the spectrum from Darby. I feel like Jungle Boy has improved like tenfold on the mic since like, you know, teaming up with Christian and everything like you could tell he's a lot more comfortable, you know, cutting these promos and everything mm-hmm. like that. I thought he did a rather good job tonight, you know, even though it's like a backstage segment. Um I'm wondering if we do see him go by the Jack Perry name more nowadays, um, like if this is an evolution of his character. Because it really felt like he went out of his way to put an explanation like mark on this promo by, you know, calling himself Jack Perry instead of Jungle Boy. Um and I'll be honest with you, I think it's a stupid fucking gimmick, so I'm totally fine with him, like, <laughs> getting rid of it. <laughs> I know it ruins, like, Jurassic Express and everything like that, but I still feel like we could see Luchasaurus side with Christian at the end of the day at Oh the yeah. pay-per-view. And that's why I'm going to pick Christian to win this, you know? And I feel like that this is just the start of their program. I feel like if
0: any of the matches on this card have a big swerve, it would be this one, where Luchasaurus will definitely get involved and help out Christian in the end.
1: Uh, we haven't seen him since the uh, incident, he, right? He's been, yeah, he's been suspended for attacking you know, an official, but we've never seen him actually lay hands on Christian this entire time mm-hmm. since he's had his baby face turn after two weeks of being a heel. So, um, yeah, I, I you know, once again, like Jericho. Never trust Christian. You know, he no. he always he always has something <laughs> up his sleeve. You know, he's that kind of heel, which is, like, my favorite kind of heel. So I, I'm totally good with this. It's a little predictable, but that's fine. You know, all the best wrestling programs, I feel like, are a little predictable. Um, I have a feeling, not that th- this is going to steal the show, but I feel like people are going to be, like, presently surprised with, like, how good this match actually is.
0: Oh, and Jungle Boy can so be just a nickname going
1: forward. You know, yeah. like... Do what do what fucking JR does, which upsets everyone for some reason. You know, just be jungle boy Jack Perry. That's yeah, exactly. totally fine. <laughs> but I don't want to see him in a fucking loincloth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we know who your father is. We know that you were raised in fucking Beverly Hills. Or maybe it wasn't. That's a TV show gimmick. But uh-huh. regardless <laughs> you weren't raised in the jungle by apes, you know? <laughs> like we Whatever. Anyway.
0: Up next, we had FTR and Wardlow going up against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns.
1: I mean, yeah, this match is going to be 10 times better since the Motor City Machine Guns have been added to it instead of dud and sing. It just feels like a match for match sake. I would much rather have this just be a straight up tag match between FTR and the Machine Guns.
0: I I hear you. But at the same time, I get like they're trying to finish off this storyline. So I, I understand why they're doing it. But it's
1: a storyline of their own, like, it's not a long-standing feud or anything, right? It's just FTR no, came yeah. out and, like, helped out Wardlow to be you good, still are you know, pals, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's really, like, just over the last, like, three weeks, right, that this started? Hmm. Um, and I was, and they could still do this, but I was expecting, like, this all being a huge sub just for us to see Wardlow uh, powerbomb Sing in the ring, right? Uh, and I mean, like I said, at the end of this match, that might still happen, but I have a feeling that that's going to be a match set up down the line between, you know, Satnam Singh and uh, Wardlow. And it still kind of annoys me that, you know, Wardlow's not defending his TNT title. Mm-hmm. That division it just hasn't been on track for the last like three or four months. I was really hoping that like once Wardlow got the title, we would see that belt get emphasized more on yeah. tv and he would be making a bunch of title defenses and that hasn't been the case i mean there's weeks where he's not even on tv so like i was surprised they didn't even announce
0: anything for like next week like possible yeah. challenger or anything, i'm sure nothing. there'll
1: be something coming out of this mm-hmm. but i, I don't want to see wardlow versus Jay lethal again right <laughs> uh-huh. and that feels like where this would actually lead maybe it will be like i said you know uh Singh versus wardlow we'll have to wait and see though uh ftr and warlow we're obviously going over though like yes i agree they 100%. Have to. <laughs> and hopefully this sets up ftr versus the machine guns down mm. the line too even if it's on impact
0: uh, up next we have the casino ladder match which will be featuring claudio wheeler um penta ray roosh andrade and dante
1: martin with a joker to be added this match should be called tony's leftovers uh uh-huh. because <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what this match is it's pretty much everyone who doesn't have a place or a spot on the card right now is getting thrown into this match it's a little awkward too because it feels like faction warfare mm-hmm. you've got the combat club you've got andrade you know his his what were what they going by la faction yeah. okay <laughs> sure and then you have dante martin who's just along for the ride. Who put on another fantastic showing tonight, though. Mm. I will say that. I swear to God, it's going to come out that the dude can actually fly. Because I don't understand. <laughs> like, it feels like he floats in the air, and then he elevates a little higher somehow. I don't get He's it. It's great should hang it, time. It's insane. Should it be possible? Like, it doesn't uh. make any sense. <laughs> 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 Everyone's super talented in this match, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, but with all that being said, I'm going to go with the Joker. As the winner. Uh, and I'm gonna say the Joker's gonna be MJF, like, you know, ninety percent of the internet right now. (laughs) So it just feels like it makes the most sense. Uh you know, especially with all the rumors of MJF coming back to AEW sooner than later. What a better way to shotgun him into the title picture by having Mm -hmm. him, you know, win this, you know. What is it, a poker chip? All we know is it's an AEW World Championship match in the future, all right? Is this the gold ring one? Isn't this I, No, the no, gold... no, that's the brass ring match or oh, whatever what, they call what it. What the fuck, Tony? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the title shot. Is like, I, it, it just makes sense for him to win the title shot here. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to say MGF for the win. Um, I
0: agree with that. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was one of these few, I would put Andrade at the top to have a title match, but that depends.
1: Yes, if it isn't MJF, you know, making his long-awaited return, I would love to see Andrade inserted into the title picture, because I feel like it's been a long time coming. So, I mean, night in and night out, whenever he's in the ring, he does his best to steal the show, um, which is saying a lot with such a talented roster. So I feel like he needs to get his just due at some point and get like at least a, a title program going with someone, even if he doesn't walk away a walk away with a belt. Up next we
0: have Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs.
1: Is there any way for both of them to win this match? I want both <laughs> to win.
0: <laughs> I'm guessing Ricky's got to go over just to give him the babyface moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. I, I do want a big future for both these guys. I do see a lot of hope for Hobbs in the
1: future as yeah. well. So Yeah. Um, so they weren't featured on Dynamite tonight. They're going to have no. some kind of segment on Rampage. The last time we saw Ricky, uh, the factory had taken him out. Apparently Hobbs put some kind of hit on him, um, which just feels weird and unnecessary. Uh-huh. Um, I don't need that wrinkle in this story, but it is what it is. I don't know if it was a way just to get QT and his group like on camera. <laughs> I guess. them, yes. and then once again, they're mobsters still. So I don't know when that happens. <laughs> but I mean, a hundred percent, it's time to pull the trigger on Starks. His promos have been electric over the last like month, you know, since this babyface turn. Um, the crowd's really into him. Um, his ring work has been super crisp. He's got great chemistry in there with Powerhouse. Um, and I could flip this around and say the same thing for Powerhouse. So it, it yes. is hard. Um, and I think there's a way to do this match where both get over regardless of the outcome. Um, so hopefully that's what they've put together here. Um because it just it, both of them have such a bright future. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Starks. I mean, if Hobbs were to win, I would
0: immediately want him in a like, TNT title match with Wardlow type of situation. So a yes.
1: feud there. Absolutely. I would love to see those two fucking hosses Ooh. beating the shit out of each other in the ring. Uh, that would be a great program for both of them. But then again, it's, I feel like it's still too soon to see Wardlow take a loss. And I want to see Hobbs moving forward instead of backwards. Um, you know, so maybe not just yet, maybe somewhere like down the line.
0: Yeah, I just I, I worry about both of them. I don't know who they go up against after this feud. Or if
1: this is just the start and they keep going at it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Hobbs is actually number one contender technically. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... And who knows, they're they're barely using the standings anymore, uh-huh. so maybe that doesn't matter.
0: Sometimes they still do, like, a TV title match, and, I mean, Hobbs might not win, but... Yeah, like a short little program. Uh-huh. Uh, up next, we have the Trio's Championship Finals. That will be the Elite, as we
1: found out today, going up against either the Dark Order or the Best Friends. Yeah, so we found out that uh, Adam Page will be subbing in for 10, uh, joining the Dark Order in, you know, their match against the Best Friends, which at the point of you hearing this has already taken place, uh, my guess is the Dark Order probably gets the win over the Best Friends, mm-hmm. and we're going to see, you know, the Dark Order with Adam Page go up against the Elite. This is definitely a case of AEW bearing some fruit after some long-term, you know, storytelling. Um I don't know. I, I, I like the storyline and everything. I'm not sure where they're going to go with this match. Like one part of me says, you know, the better stories, Dark Order getting the win here. Like, you know, Paige sticking with his friends and, you know, the Dark Order finally prevailing and getting a significant win uh, in AEW um, would be a fantastic story. But at the same time, I feel like it's it makes a lot more sense to put those belts on you know superstars like the elite to really Mm -hmm. establish you know the trios division um and you could have a situation where after a hard fought you know match adam page and the elite you know stand across from each other and basically mend fences um i feel like that works um you know, where, you know, they there's no shame in their loss whatsoever. And, you know, they actually convinced everyone that the Dark Order w- could possibly pick up the win. You know, Paige still looks like a good friend and everything. And at the same time, you get the long-awaited reunion of the Elite, finally. What you think about it, I mean, it's pretty much a two-year, two two-year two-and-a-half-year saga. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's been a while.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think the Elite have to win. Um, you know, all of this in the end. I do agree that the Dark Order will make it to the finals. Um, I, I know John Silver and all of them say, hey, Dark Order's forever, but I, I still, a part of me thinks that they're slowly just disbanding the group, you know, after um, Anna Jay left, and now it seemed like they tied in some things where Ten could possibly leave and join yes. up with Andrade after you that had segment. You
1: Andrade trying to, I think, buy the contract of Ten from Evil Uno? uh-huh <laughs> that's what i got for, is that what you got from the segment I, I, like he offered he, uno money like he said something about 10 and then you offered uno money so i i think that's where they're going did you notice something uh, about his, power
0: his, yeah I did you
1: notice uh his assistant uh stun gunning yes ten <laughs> <two>. <laughs> oh you just tased him uh-huh. uh but yeah <laughs> Because uh, yeah, yeah, Andrade said something about taking off his mask and everything too. Like Andrade hates fucking masks. I know. Jesus crazy. Christ! <laughs> Even though he wears one down to the ring, <laughs> if he sees a mask, he's taking it off. God damn it! Uh, but yeah, no, I, maybe you know. I I think I think you know Uno and you know uh, Reynolds and Silver can just work as a trios. Yes. You know they don't need ten. So it is what it is. Um. I, I don't want to see them break up necessarily, um, but it does feel like they need to do something different with their Mm -hmm. storyline because I don't want them to continue just being Adam Page's, like, little buddies, right? Yeah. Because that's kind of what it feels like. I need to be able to take them seriously as competitors at some point, you know? I mean, Reynolds and Silver are great as a tag team, so um, it's just, it's hard to take Johnny Hungy seriously. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And that's okay. I mean, there's room for that in wrestling. That That's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I just want something different. It feels like they've grown stale over the last, you know, three or four months. I'll put it this way. I don't I haven't seen them get over in a way that,
0: that the best friends have, you know, like I, I don't know. see the been... best friends as,
1: you know, people that might get a big win here and there. Yes, but I think that's mostly because of Orange, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Where I feel like there's a period of time where the Dark Order was incredibly over, um, but they've just cooled off recently um, because they, they don't know what to do with them. Um, and I, I think it's just they don't have that like leadership figure anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe eventually they have someone else join the group to kind of like, you know, lead them and give them direction. Um, you know, not saying they need a heel turn or anything like that, but I don't know. Or we're just putting way too much thought. Into uh-huh. a team that's meant to be a mid-card team. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, no, I, I've got the elite going over and I've got, you know, the elite reuniting with Adam Page at the end of the night. So, in some form or fashion.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Up next, we have Swerve in Our Glory putting their titles on the line against the acclaimed. I'm glad that they're on the card, but at the same time, this feels thrown together last mm-hmm. minute. It feels like a like a pre show setup. <laughs> it does, unfortunately, but part of it's just because so many like teams were taken up by the trios tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is what it is. They claim deserve to have a title shot here though. I mean, they've been super over of late. Um, it's just not time yet, in my eyes, to take the belts off of, you know, swerve in our glory. Um, unless they do like a swerve heel turn. Um, which would be out of nowhere, but sometimes those are the best heel turns. So who knows? But I've got Swerving Our Glory going over.
0: I have Swerving Our Glory going over as well. But I am surprised that the Gun Club didn't get added to this match just because of everything that was going on with the Acclaimed. At the same time, I'm wondering: is there a chance that we get to meet Stokely's group and extend whatever's going
1: on? I feel like that'd be a great way to continue on the uh, Swerving Our Glory, you know, arc. So yes, on Dynamite we saw W. Morrissey uh make his redebut in AEW, uh taking out uh what the hell are they called? The uh wingmen? The wingman. Yeah, the wingman, yes. Uh, who've been getting more and more like camera time of late. Uh which I'm guessing is a product of the you know, the trios division now being a thing. But uh he came out uh stokely after, you know, Morrissey just destroyed the wingman offered him a card it definitely felt like morrissey accepted uh so now it looks like he's part of his growing stable this stable consists of ethan page morrissey the gun club and lee moriarty um we have not seen them on the screen it seems like whenever someone finally accepts stokely's card they just disappear mm-hmm. um i'm guessing the reason why we haven't seen them all together yet um or with stokely like after my guess the reason for that is because they want them to make a big splash all together as a faction um you know once he's done recruiting and maybe that does take place here during this match um we don't have many like Schmas finishes in a w but when you do do one like make it count and that mm-hmm. makes you know one once in a while feel okay right it's not a situation like wwe where you get them night in and night out um so like one once in a while in my book is fine um as long as it's done well and i feel like you know you're right like this would be a good opportunity for them to come out and you know make a name for themselves so, like, announce their arrival. Um, it's quite a faction if you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then uh, you have like Swerve in Our Glory and the
0: Acclaimed working together. There's plenty of singles matches that they can all have there. I feel like that's just something that would
1: give them all something to do if they wanted. Here's to Here's a little like tidbit it. to think about: uh, Stokely was MJF's manager for a long time on the indie mm. scene. Could he be putting together um, a stable th- for MJF? It's
0: possible, because MJF is always great to have, you know, a lot of guys around him to protect him and do stuff like that. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't
1: know. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> that's fantasy booking at its highest. I love to have my smarmy, like, heels protected by a great, like, heel faction. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe this could succeed in the ways that the pinnacle failed. But once again, that's all fantasy booking. Uh, so, okay. So is that your call? You're saying this match is going to end up being a no contest because of interference? I think that there's a big
0: possibility for that. But if it if it does have to have a winner, I'm giving
1: it to Swervin'
0: Our Glory, obviously.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Swervin' Our Glory also. Um, the only possible way I could see them losing those belts if Swerve turns on, Mm -hmm. you know, Keith Lee. And that was teased for a long time before they actually won those belts, but we haven't seen an angling of that. No, Um, and I'd rather... That might be on purpose, right? That might be purposeful. Um, So to kind of catch everyone off guard. Because at the same time, I would love to see the Acclaim actually get a little title run. Um, and I feel like it's de- deservingly so. They've done the work. They've got themselves over big time. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to say swerve in our glory walks away, you know, still champions.
0: All right. And in our main event, it was officially confirmed today that CM Punk will go up against John Moxley
1: for the AEW World Championship. Yeah. Last week, we saw Punk get dominated by Moxley and Moxley become the undisputed world champion. Um, after being interim for three months and really bringing a lot of prestige to the title of interim champion. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this definitely threw everyone for a loop, having Moxley win in the fashion that he did. A lot of people were speculating that, you know, could Punk still be hurt? Um, You know, what's going on? Is Punk being punished? Like a million crazy scenarios and rumors were flying around. It was confirmed earlier this week by reputable news sources that punk first Moxley league was still like the main event of all out so and that you know is what took place on dynamite this week uh we had moxley come out uh with an open contract talking some mad shit in chicago about punk uh definitely getting a mixed reaction which is a real like testament to how over moxley is as a champion the fact that he was getting just booed out of the building in chicago um but yeah i mean he was on fire um he left an open contract for a main event title shot at all out in the middle of the ring um for someone to come and just sign uh this is probably the only issue i'll take with this whole storyline the fact that like The AEW locker room wasn't, like, fighting down the ramp to get to this contract. I feel like it's just completely illogical, but forgivable at the same time. (laughs) Like all those people in the ladder match? Like, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, fuck this ladder match. I just have to go to the ring and sign this contract. (laughs) But regardless, we've seen this in wrestling in the past. Uh, I do feel like I hold AEW to a higher standard, though. So when little things like this happen, little plot holes, I don't know. It makes me cringe even harder than when I see it on like WWE TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we did eventually see Ace Steel, a still backstage official and CM Punk's trainer and longtime coach eventually come down the ring after Moxley left and grab the contract. I feel like they could have done themselves a favor and get gotten rid of that logic gap of, like, you know, the locker room not jumping on this opportunity if they would have just had Ace Steel, like, come and grab the contract out of Moxley's hands or, like, right away grab the contract after Moxley left the ring. So it did feel a little odd to me and kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Especially when you consider, like, all the people in the arena probably didn't know who Ace Steel was. yeah I mean, the commentating (laughs) team, they did a fine job of putting over who Steele was, you know, for, you know, that home audience. But, like, it must have just looked like, you know, one of the, like, ringside attendants just grabbing the contract out of the ring (laughs) and possibly signing the thing. Um, But, yeah, no. um, A couple segments later, we did have Punk's music hit. Uh, He came out looking totally dejected, uh, walked down the ring with, like, tears in his eyes. He proceeded to give what almost sounded like a retirement speech. Um until Ace Steel came out and interrupted him and said this isn't what we talked about backstage. What the hell are you doing? He dropped an F bomb. Yes. Um, <laughs> he explained who he was, which I thought was important. Mm-hmm. Um and then he smacked the shit out of Punk. Uh, awakening something in punk punk then you know fired up uh gave a hell of a promo uh jumped into the crowd and signed the contract to challenge moxley at all out for the world title. Basically we got Rocky 3 here huh. um which I'm totally fine with and I had a feeling that's probably the the direction they' are headed in uh, but I don't know I, I do you feel like this match needed this angle? To get over Christian, to get over no, I, it,
0: it was Moxley versus CM Punk at in Chicago. Anyone was going to want
1: to watch that, no matter what. Um, I agree hundred percent. And honestly, like after their first exchange on the mic, I was uh-huh. super stoked for the match. I do feel like it added a little intrigue to the match overall, and I mean, it did get them a huge rating, uh, for the night. So that's not a bad thing either. And I mean, it's. This match has been pretty much the talk of, you know, wrestling for the last, like, two weeks, um, especially after the outcome last week. Yep. This match has been pretty much the talk of the town, um, you know, of the wrestling world, if you will. So while I agree that I don't think they really needed this angle to get this match over, um, I, at the same time, don't mind the storytelling at all. And I'm fine with it. Um I Was taken aback last week. I didn't know what direction they're headed in, and it, part of it is just because it feels so different for AEW. Um, apparently, this whole like angle was Moxley's idea. Um, okay, he's you know, he's a big mixed martial arts fan. Um, so it was punk, so this is more of that kind of story, I guess. In MMA, like surprise finishes happen all the time. Um, so I, I get where they're going. I just, I, I, you know, part of me wishes there was a little more time in between that match and the pay-per-view match. Yes. Um, but once again, it's wrestling. I've seen Mick Foley get thrown off the fucking hell in the cell and, And then come back. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then come back later on that night <laughs> uh-huh. and interfere in the main event. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people are screaming foul because of that, but it's wrestling people. I mean, we literally just saw Cody fucking wrestle hell in the cell match with a torn pack, a legitimate torn pack. So I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Well, Um, who do you think is going over is the, is the best question. Christian? I have no fucking clue. (laughs) I mean, like I said before, part of me thinks they're just doing the Rocky storyline, which I love Rocky. So I'm okay with that. Uh, and punk is going to end up going over here in Chicago. Uh, but part of me could see a situation where maybe they swerve us and you have the involvement of MJF at the end of the day. And maybe that ends up costing Punk the match. I believe at the end of their program, and I can be totally misremembering, Like, didn't MJF like, swear vengeance against Punk? Something like that. Right? Like, something along those lines. So what a perfect way to get vengeance than, like, costing them this huge moment in Chicago. Um, I don't know, though. I have no idea. Like, I, I, I'm going to say Punk is going to get the win here, especially after losing so decisively. But, like, pardon me, wants Moxley to win? Because <laughs> he's just been so amazing as champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, for me, he's the wrestler of the year. Like, he could do no wrong on the mic, in the ring. I mean, he's just operating on a different level than everyone. So um, I kind of would love to see Moxley just win straight up here. Do I think that's happening? No, probably not. (laughs) Um, Could you see CM Punk turning heel? Like winning the match, but cheating to do so.
0: I can see him turning heel on television. I don't think he's going to do it all out.
1: Just because it's too much for Chicago. Yes, it would take some master level heel work on Uh Punk's part, psychology wise, to get Chicago to boo Punk. Like, I mean, I almost want to see it just because of that. (laughs) Like, what would he have to do? You know, like I, I, the crowd, I feel like is going to be 70, 30, though, mm-hmm. honestly, like listen to the response on Dynamite to Moxley, because there's a lot of people who love Moxley still. So maybe it'd be easier than we think. Um, He's just straight up attacking
0: Cole Cabana the entire time <laughs> on the mic while beating with like Moxley with a stick.
1: Like, I mean, they just cut to the back and like Punk's like caning the shit out of like uh, Colt or something like that Um, I don't know man I don't (laughs) it's gonna be really hard but maybe it doesn't matter either maybe it's okay if he's a baby face in Chicago and heel everywhere else we did see Stone Cold try to pull the same thing off in Texas he tried to turn heel in Texas I mean this is the biggest baby face Mm -hmm. in wrestling history Um, Try to turn heel in Texas against The Rock with Vince McMahon coming out and handing him a chair. Um, It didn't fucking work in the long run, but I mean, it was a bold attempt and maybe Punk thinks he can pull it off. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be more straightforward than that. And, you know, Punk is going to get to live his Rocky fantasy and win the title back, you know, in Chicago and in front of his home crowd. But I will say, because of the way they've told the story over the last couple weeks... I feel like that outcome is in more doubt than ever. Where I could see them flipping the script and like taking this story somewhere unexpected. I mean, I'm still planted in
0: that punk is going to win, hear it all out. Um, I, I think the story going forward definitely is MJF. I I don't know if they, they definitely won't go right into a title match between the two of them. I think they'll, you know, wait a second. You know they'll have maybe MJF I, taunting it at him or something. I but. think
1: if MJF wins that contract in the ladder match, that that match is taking place at Arthur Ashe. So you think it would happen in the next two weeks? Yes, I think especially because it's a New York crowd.
0: So I I just I, wonder because they Punk's reign got cut so short
1: that they would want him to hold on to it for longer. I don't know, man. I feel like they've been keeping MJ off off camera for this moment the last three months mm. so and maybe like punk's injury kind of delayed all of that um but it, it feels like that's the perfect match for arthur ash um they need something big like tickets haven't been that great either mm-hmm. you know um and it doesn't feel like they're gonna do kingston versus punk at yeah. this point <laughs> so which i mean they could Go back to that, and that's been the match. Everyone's been fantasy booking, and it makes sense. Um, but it just feels like, you know, MJF versus Punk um, in New York is just a surefire sellout, you know, for them. So why not pull the trigger? Um, and maybe just Punk's title reign is Snake Bit. There's nothing wrong with that story. No, I mean, I'm fine with it.
0: I want to see Kingston or MJF as champion, you know, either this year or in the upcoming year. So I'm I'm ready to go. I, I definitely just think Punk is winning
1: this, though, for no, sure. No, <laughs> and that's my prediction, too. So I feel uh. like I feel like it's going to be straight up win, you know, fantasy mm. booking aside. But, you know, the night ends with MJF facing off with Punk in the ring, you know, holding on to. Whatever the fuck Tony has hanging over the fucking ring for that ladder match. A gold ring or poker chip. Hopefully so it's just, just a fucking contract. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's just a briefcase <laughs> or some shit. Who knows? Um, They probably don't want to do the briefcase because it's too much like money in the bank, right? I guess. I'm assuming. Uh, but anyway, regardless, uh, there is another way you could do it. You could have MGF costing Punk the match and then have Punk versus MGF at Arthur Ashe, you know, with no title on the line, um, Mm -hmm. have MJF go over and then go and challenge Moxley. you could have Moxley versus Kingston, you know, at Arthur Ashe, um, and just, you know, have Moxley give him the title shot because he, he's his friend. Um, I would love to see Kingston win that belt, even if it's for a short title reign, uh, in New York. I, I think the place would just explode, um, It would be one hell of a story and something that'd be really deserving for Kingston because, I mean, my God, if you look from where he came from to where he is now, it's like Mm -hmm. one of really one of the top baby faces in the company. That moment would be the perfect bow on top of, you know, Kingston's run in AEW so far.
0: Just hopefully the events between him and Sammy haven't you know spoiled his future as world champion right now.
1: That is true. All right, but that does it for this week. Uh, Make sure you join us next week as we review AEW All Out. And we can find out just how fucking wrong we were. (laughs) Because we don't know shit.
0: (laughs) Morrissey world champion by the end of the show. Somehow. Oh, dear
1: God. Only if Enzo's in his corner. (laughs) Please, God, don't do that. He's the Joker. Dear god. Oh, god, <laughs> Fucking horrible. That's how we would officially know Tony lost his fucking mind if Enzo was the surprise appearance on All Out, pushing your legion of fans Hunter's way.
0: That's how you become a bona fide G and a certified stud. Shut Damon. your
1: fucking mouth, Christian. <laughs> and you can't teach that. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review.
0: Exactly, it sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow.
1: And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more.
0: That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support
1: the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week, we'll have a breakdown for episode four of She-Hulk. We'll also be reviewing the premiere episode of the Lord of the Rings series, The Rings of Power, and we'll be reviewing episode three of House of the Dragon. And
0: on top of that, we'll see if AEW burns down the house with All Out. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. That spell travels the dark borders between known
1: and unknown reality. It's too dangerous. <sighs> We've used it for a lot less. Do you remember the full moon party at Camertage? No. Exactly.